a podcast to honor the gods. This better come with a sacrifice. Dave X Media. Contend Capable acknowledges the indigenous people on the land on which we record this podcast, the Tarongorong people. We offer our respect to their elders, past, present and emerging, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. Sovereignty was never ceded. Welcome to Content and Capable, uh, the podcast based in Victoria, where somehow the weather went from, oh, it's kind of chilly in the morning and it's not really getting above like 23 degrees to, uh, fuck, it's hot uh, and there's a storm every afternoon. Wait, are we in Queensland? I'm still not quite sure. Um, <laughs> I'm your host, Sam, uh, who's been experiencing this weather, which happens to coincide with horse racing uh, and, and shenanigans like that. And joining me today is uh, Radio Mike. Hi, Mike. Nice to meet you. Hey, man. Well, nice to meet you. We have met, we've we have done an episode met. of this podcast before. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, but nice to meet you again, man. Great to speak oh, to yeah. you. I'm glad to be back. Yeah. Um, you had a busy, like, what, almost two years, I reckon, since we've last spoken. Uh, did you want to let the listeners know, I don't know, what crazy stuff you've been up to? Was it that long ago that we first recorded this podcast? Uh, well, it I'm must have been because, no, I'll tell you how I know, because it was, I I moved house like five times in the past five years. So mm. it was two houses ago when I recorded the first episode with you, which means that it was two years ago. So yeah, that's crazy that so much time's passed. And I think you've moved to Victoria because yeah, so you were I in Queensland have... when I spoke to you last time. Yeah, I, I now live in the, the, the evil state. I don't where, know what we're calling this. Where do you live? So Mansfield, right at the bottom of Mount Buller at the yeah. moment. Um, nice. I work at the local paper there, which is lovely. Um, but um, uh, look, uh, it's a small paper owned by a small company. Um, so we... Um, someone young in their career wanting to move on probably at mm. some point and get something Fair enough. more broad experience. It's, I don't know, such is the media industry itself, really. Um, so we'll see. Yeah, no, it's been a, it's been a interesting. I moved down in what January. Yeah. January. So it's almost been a year here, which is interesting. Awesome, man. That's a big step. Have you felt like overwhelmed by it or have you felt like good about it? I don't know. It's it's been a weird one where like part of me is like completely overwhelmed. It's like what the fuck am I doing? You know, picking myself up to move halfway across the country. Yeah. Uh, and then and then like weird things like culture shocks. Like culture shock. You know, we think of Australian culture as like pretty contiguous, but you know, things like AFL and horse racing being big things in Victoria, um, and like a little bit more like classy and i'm come from bogan queensland where you know we we play rugby and fight crocodiles for a living so mm, you know mm. um look it's i i think it's been a uh definitely a learning curve but i don't know we'll be see what happens i think people definitely underestimate how different like the major cities of australia all are like 
Melbourne compared to Sydney, which is like an hour flight away, are really mm-hmm. different cities in so many ways. Even like, yeah, like in Melbourne, everyone follows AFL. In Sydney, um, and NRL is much more popular. And like that's that's a crazy difference for two cities that are so close. Yeah, and to think that like, yes, we might have sports that like nationally we're really proud of, but like you can't like pick everyone follows this one sport. It's, you know, uh, you know, a lot of people might follow it, but it's like, I don't know, my, you know, my housemate's parents were from Victoria. They moved to Queensland and they're still big AFL people. And you can tell they're from Victoria because they're big AFL people. Um, it's like, it's like South Australians and their posh accents. Mm, mm. No, I like that. It, it It's funny you say like, I've had a really really big two years because I haven't felt like I've done anything super major in the last two years. Um, the only thing I feel like was like a major thing I did, which is not work related at all, was I went on a like my first overseas holiday since 2018, which was awesome. But yeah, now I'm back in Melbourne. I was about to say, how was the, how was the trip overseas? It was good. I feel like I, I feel like it was a long time coming. Like I had not been... First of all, it was the longest I have ever been away on a holiday. It was about five weeks. And then Mm. also it was like the first time, as I said, since 2018. And I just feel like post-COVID and like spiraling through this like career I've had in the media since I started in, since I graduated from uni in 2016, which I guess until you stop and think about doesn't feel like that long ago, but now you're like, oh no, I started in this industry nearly 10 years ago like yeah. well not quite like seven years ago which is pretty crazy and again finally going on this holiday and just like getting away from it all and seeing for an, some of the for rest an industry of the industry that moves so fast and mm. it feels like 10 years like it's it's only yeah i was it's interesting i'm reading a book at the moment uh called the space between by uh Michelle um, Andrews uh, and Zara McDonald. And Zara McDonald. Yeah. I forget Michelle's last name every time. <laughs> um, I feel sorry. It's like, sorry, Michelle. I don't. Like, I don't mean to get your name wrong. Um, but uh, fascinating being someone in their early twenties, listening to them talk about pre-COVID and being an adult pre-COVID. And I was a person who became an adult proper, you know, through COVID. Interesting. Um, so it's like, oh, wait, I just don't have that, like, adult experience of, like, what the before times were like. Mm. I've got an idea of it vaguely based on, you know, experiences I had. But, you know, I only graduated uni last year and I, you know, was I didn't turn 18 until the end of 2019, which happened to be where shit really hit the fan here in Australia. So, you know. Yeah. It, it's, uh, it's weird because it's like it feels almost cliched in a way. But, like, I do feel like those two-ish years of COVID, particularly in Melbourne where we had, like, really long lockdowns, I yeah. do actually feel like something, like, something I missed. It's something I missed. Like, I do I do feel younger than I do and sometimes I have to stop and be like, oh, when did I, when did I get to 28 and I'm about to be 29? Like, when did I get to that? Because it feels like... Very recently, I was like 24, but suddenly yeah. like four years have passed since then or five years have passed since then. And yeah, just so much time randomly flew by without me realizing it during COVID. Because during COVID, we were all just trying to 
you know, survive, I guess, and, like, stay mm-hmm. sane in locked up in our own houses and everything. And, yeah, it feels weird to be turning yeah. 29 at the end of this year. Oh, yeah. It's just, a, like, a very weird realisation that, like, time has past mm. we sat still for so long yeah and just had that time to kind of and especially to reflect but also to kind of go well you know i my life is on pause let's pursue my passions or let, let's invest in something that i wouldn't necessarily have time for that's and that's the funny thing is that like we all kept busy through COVID, so it wasn't like we stopped but i don't think we all realized that everyone else kept busy until like about this I reckon around about now we're all starting to realise that, you know, I realised that this was the first Melbourne Cup where the fear of COVID wasn't, like, obviously COVID restrictions had relaxed mostly by the time, this time last year, but, like, the fear of COVID's pretty much well and truly gone. Mm. And so, you know, obviously we're recording this on the week of Melbourne Cup, uh, having, you know, such a large event, and we have our races on the same day as Melbourne Cup here in Mansfield, yeah. having, you know, horse races and standing out there, it's like, wow, this is actually like a, what a pre-COVID activity looks and feels like. Yeah. And, and it really is like there is a clear... BC, as in before COVID, and then yeah. I guess AC after COVID, and and it's like, and the during COVID section is just a blur. But like, yeah, you're right. F- funnily enough, we actually, I actually got COVID while I was overseas, and and I had oh. never had it before. That was yeah. my first actual experience with COVID, um, which spoiled like a, about four four days for me of my trip, but. Yeah, it definitely feels like we're on this other side. Like, where people have almost forgotten about it. Like, it's definitely still out there, but mm-hmm. yeah, we, we don't really fear it now. It's just another thing, which I guess is where we were working towards with the vaccines and everything. Yeah. And it's nice to be at that point where, of course, like, there's a concern, especially if you've, you're immunocompromised or have any health issues. But, like, at the same time, it's like, you know, I stood in the middle of our town's main street last Friday. Um, and there, I couldn't, like, you couldn't move anywhere without bumping into someone, um, Mm. that packed. And it was just like, you know, having a festival like that, or, you know, being at events where, you know, you're not being, uh, you don't know whether you could be asked to wear a mask. You don't know, you know, how, you know, what if someone gets sick? Um, it was fascinating though. I was speaking to a couple of people who work in theater and obviously for them, one of them ran a solo show earlier this year. And we were reflecting on that. And she, it was an absolute terror for them. And she was like, if she gets COVID, you know, that's the whole run of shows canceled. And mm. you know, it's, mm. you know, it's kind of terrifying. So I still think that, you know, there's still that concern hanging around, which is weird as well. Mm. Oh, totally, man. Yeah. And I guess that's why, when we got COVID on our trip, we weren't we weren't even really sure what to do because we were like, well, we obviously like we we have to get on this flight. Like we were flying between countries. Like we have we've booked it. We can't not get yeah. on it. We have nowhere else to stay. Like we just have to kind of keep going, and that's what it is now compared to what it was. Where like there's no way you would leave the house if you had COVID. Um, yeah. yeah, it's really changed a lot. And it's fascinating what policies are still like COVID era. So I had a coworker who got COVID, not to talk about this for too much longer, but like, you know, I had a coworker who got COVID and the policy was you stay home until you receive a negative test. And mm. and it's just like that funny thing of like, oh, wow, we still are like, people are still treating this seriously, especially in media where we interact with so many people. Obviously we're doing this virtually, but like often face to face. It's like, oh yeah, yeah you know, we still... 
you know, I still talk to, you know, a good seven or eight strangers a day. Yeah, yeah, um, for you know, sure. Working. Yeah. Um, and obviously, you know, you've you've kind of let your podcast kind of go nuts. You know, while you know, crazy, crazy success there. It's been very fascinating to watch, uh, at least from an outsider's perspective, how you've been dealing with like you know managing the creative demands of you know podcasting. That's such an interesting thing to say and and maybe you can relate to this man cuz like I guess when you're in it and you're doing it you don't feel like you're making any traction. But then mm-hmm. and then I speak to someone like you and you're saying your podcast is like I don't know what what did you just say like it's blown up or whatever or it's yeah. going really well. Like to me it doesn't feel like that. And maybe that's just this um, reiterated feeling of like extreme self-doubt and like self-deprecation as you talked about before we started rolling you were saying I've got to start with something self-deprecating like yeah. I don't know why but I and this is maybe a problem but I never feel like I, I never feel like I'm at the success level I want to be and it's interesting that from outside in you will you think that it's like this big success and that that's awesome to hear but I'm st- <laughs> I'm still like oh like what do I have to like what do I have to keep doing um mm-hmm. to keep building this but I will say like I I've I've been working on that feeling and I've been working on like how do I be re- realizing that you're you, you how do I phrase this Instead of always being like, where do I need to be? Just remember that like you're here now and like mm-hmm. people people do engage with your stuff and people do like your stuff and that's what you kind of wanted. That's why you started this in the first place. So just be okay with where you are now. You don't there isn't like a peak of a mountain that you reach and then suddenly you've got the the flag and you're like, That's it, I got to the top and now I'm now I'm finished. Like You'll chase that forever. Eventually, I yeah. think you just have to, you just have to go. Okay, this is what it is. Like, however this goes from here is how it goes. But no, I appreciate those words, man. No, yeah, I think it's it's really hard when, and it's fascinating because obviously I speak to quite a few podcast creators regularly, mm. Mm. and it's fascinating watching different people's frames for success. Because don't get me wrong, I've struggled with what you're struggling with as well Mm. uh, quite a lot. And I think this year especially being a year where I have poured a lot of energy into producing, like, these episodes. Mm. And it's not, you know, obviously there's been some things well and truly out of my control. Let's be honest. Having the entire, you know, film and television industry on strike for you know, 100 days each for the yeah. writers and the actors, plus 140 for the writers, 118 as we're learning today uh, for the actors. It's, you know, it's just like, that's obviously such a curveball in, you know, the way that you are able to kind of go about and go, how can I do this in a way that I want to do? And and then, then, but also watching people do really well and, and different people's paces for success, there's been a couple of podcasts that I've watched launch this year mm. and go, and they've, you know, overtaken me and it's, and it's great to watch them. And they obviously have a really engaging content. Um, and obviously, and I look at it and go, you know, should I be growing? And it's that very like, why aren't, why aren't I growing at that rate? Or, mm. you know, why aren't yeah. I achieving that success? Why aren't I being invited to that event? You know, why aren't, and yeah. I, really. I, f- I feel that so much. And like, 
even like when you mentioned the space between book from yeah. um, Michelle and Zara, who just like I, I got to say, like have completely just blown it out of the park with what they've achieved. And it's so impressive and so incredible what um, like starting with the shameless podcast. And I think, I don't know, either in that book or somewhere I read that they used to just put posters for the podcast on the on the back of the girls' toilets, right? Yeah. Just 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 to advertise it and to to see what something like that's become and they've got their podcast. They have various like spin-off podcasts that are equally as popular. Um, they've got like a newsletter. They've they're, they're a full-on modern media business that are working on so many projects, doing live shows, all of this stuff. And you see that and you're like, wow, like that's incredible. Like I want to be doing that. That's amazing. And, and and I think I do think it's amazing. And and you and I struggle a lot. I struggle a lot with jealousy. Mm. And I think oh, we, yeah, exactly. I think we all get yeah, it's that emotion of jealousy where you're like, oh, like, why am I not there? And then but then I'm like, well, there probably are people who look at me and are like thinking that about me right yeah and then so i'm like and that's where i think it's like this never-ending cycle and yeah like there are your peers and other people you know are gonna be in different places to you at different times and um you know there's always gonna be someone who has a better who just is either like just better than you or is more mainstream marketable than you Mm. or just like people just like them more and i think always trying to shed some of my ego and trying to just be like, this is just what it is. Like, this is life. This is where I'm at. And um, yeah, but jealousy is something I've struggled a lot with over the years. And I think it's really hard. Like, obviously, like our influencer industry is so incredibly commercialized. And it's Mm. funny, though, because when I realized that all of the Spotify original podcasts, I think bar one by all those influencers, they all launched, you know, through COVID and bits and pieces um, that they've all been cut. Like all their podcasts are gone and you're sitting there going, oh, wait, none of them exist anymore. Mm. Uh, And it's all of those ones that we were like, I felt a little bit like going, you know, why the fuck do, you know, does Spotify feel like they need to invest in them when they could, you know, pick up, some other like smaller creators who already know what they're doing and go, let's put you in a position where you can be, you know, really successful. And we had had this same conversation last week with the, the previous guest and he and I were chatting about, you know, how hard it is to not, not feel that way. But like at the same time, knowing that like the Australian in- influencer industry is so fickle because yeah, they all got dropped basically at the same time and going, oh, wait, you know, I've got more solid ground that I'm standing on because I'm in control of the entire process and there's not someone going, well, you've got to do this at this time and, oh, wait, your whole thing's cancelled now. Mm, Yeah, that's a really good point and I noticed the same thing. I feel like we've been on really similar, like, thinking (laughs) journeys over the last few years because that was a really interesting thing for me. I I completely agree. I saw lots of... um, TikTok influences and stuff get picked up for Spotify pods. And I think my reading of what happened there is that I think Spotify kind of picked up too much too soon. I'm not trying to um, read into the internal workings of the Spotify content team, but I, I, I think generally speaking 
from what I can tell from my own experience and from working with lots of podcasts, it's hard to monetize a podcast. Like oh, it's even, so hard. Even big podcasts struggle to monetize sometimes. So I think the common misconception and I and again like full respect to Spotify for, for trying. But I think the misconception is, okay, these people have a, a million followers or 500K followers on TikTok. Mm. Let's get them to make a podcast and let's leverage their social following to um, to make that podcast a massive podcast. And it it doesn't always translate like that. And I think just because you're, you make good tiktok sketches it doesn't necessarily mean you're a good broadcaster or even a practice broadcaster um and i think that sometimes shows that being said like i don't think there's anything wrong with being a tiktok entertainer who makes like really funny sketches for people which which, like lots of those people do there's nothing wrong with it i think that and I, th- I think this is the fascinating part for you and I who have worked in, who have and are working in broadcast. Um, and, you know, people like, oh, yeah, and I watch the way that, you know, Michelle and Zara run their business. Mm. And you sit there and you go, it is a completely different mindset to the way that a massive company like Spotify runs their business, where they're looking for growth. Mm. We're looking for success. They're looking for growth. And so, you know, <laughs> yeah. just because, you know, downloads are down this week or we're in a plateau or we've run out of creative energy or, you know, we just need a break for two weeks, you know, for our own sanity, you, we can do that. We can afford to kind of go, like, of course, like, there, especially when you monetize something, there's a little bit of a, well, can we actually physically afford it? But, you know, we can afford to sit down and go, it's not worth putting out a shitty episode when we can put out a good episode in two weeks' time and sit on it for a little while and be in the right space to do it. Yeah, uh, right. I think, I think that's where the business model of Spotify fails and especially fails in a broadcast sense. We look at the, I look at the way that people discuss radio ratings and look at, you know, everyone's critique of the ABC and it's like, yes, the, of course the ABC was in a bit of a trough at one point this year. I was like looking at the mango, but you can't judge it on that trough. You've got to judge it on the year as a whole. And obviously it didn't look very good for the ABC as a year and a whole. Hence why they've completely refocused their strategy as a company uh, organization. But like you look at that and I go, you know, understanding from a broadcast sense, it's more about the long-term longevity rather than a, you know, short-term profit. Mm. I think there's, well, there's so many interesting points you just made. The first, (laughs) no, no, no. It's just, I'm trying to um, rewind and and address all of them because that's all really interesting. The first point I will make is about radio ratings because- I have so many thoughts on the radio rating system. (laughs) I don't know if it's updated yet, but until like, it's definitely for most of my time in the industry. I, again, I, I heard whispers that they were updating it, but I don't think it's happened. It's all just handwritten. The ratings are all handwritten surveys that they just door knock to random people in Australia and get them to fill in to the best of their memory. Like, the radio surveys to me are the dumb. It's amazing to me that an industry that big is using um, a survey system like that to, to do their ratings, right? Um, so, yeah, that just that's, that's my thoughts on radio ratings. I also think that no one outside of radio seems to care about <laughs> radio ratings. And yeah. every radio station, at least in Melbourne, has some kind of spin on, like, 
Melbourne's number one station, right? Because whenever you hear a radio station saying we're the Melbourne's number one, it might be um, pop music station or classic rock state. Like, it's like, that's not... Any radio station can just say that and make it their brand. We're the number one station in Melbourne. It's like, it's all just marketing. It's all smoke and mirrors. It's all like PR spin. That's just how that, that's just how the industry works. So like, just, just that's, that's my thoughts on that. Um, The other thing you were saying is like, yeah, you, you're talking about like setting space and boundaries with yourself. So like, instead of like pushing yourself to put out an episode every week, it's just like, if, if you're at a point where you're like, I can't put an episode out this week. Like I'm not, I'm just too busy. I'm burnt out. I can't do it. Then mm-hmm. yeah, like don't, I, I completely agree. For me, I've really shifted to, because I've I've been doing my main podcast, 20th Century Boy. I've been doing it since 2019. I'm in my fifth year of doing it. And there's just such a big catalog of stuff online from my pod, right? There's just yeah. so many episodes there. And I think, I know I've got a bunch of like really hardcore listeners who are there every week and listen and chat to me about it, right? And then I've got people that come in and out that sometimes listen, sometimes don't, who fall behind, who then binge and catch up and then stop listening for a while. And then there's people who like listen to one episode if it piques their interest and then then they don't come back, right? And it's just like, for me, it's just, it's all up there. I, I stop looking at the download numbers and the like I stopped caring about all that stuff and started caring more about just having a presence in general but I completely mm-hmm. agree with you like there's been there's been lots of times throughout the five years where I have tried to do the one a week and I in fact there hasn't been a single year in the five years I've done this pod where I haven't had to force myself to just miss like three weeks because I can't I physically have burnt out and I can't do it anymore right and for me there's nothing even though every year it catches me and I'm like fuck I'm here again right I'm in this exact same situation again this year was the first year where I was like I'm just gonna put aside two weeks in the middle of the year that I don't do podcasts and I just don't have to do them and it really helped me feel like I wasn't burning out and I had the break that I needed. Um, so yeah, I, th- I definitely think that's important because if you're not giving yourself yeah. the space that your brain is asking for, then you're just going to, it's just going to fuck you up long-term. Oh, yeah, I, d- exactly. I didn't ask if I could swear on this, but I have. So. No, 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 totally <laughs> go ahead. But like, and this is the the weird thing as like, for me at least, I've experienced burnt out, burnout in a variety of situations and often it spills Mm. very quickly to everything mm. I do. Oh. Um, it's amazing I, how quickly your mental health just immediately like plummets and you're like, fuck, here I am in this place again. And yeah. I f- and I felt it coming, but I ignored it because I've taught myself that I just have to keep going and going and going and I can't yeah. take a break. It's the rat race of this, particularly in content cre- creation, yeah. I think as well. But yeah, sorry, I interrupted I- you there. No, no, no. I, I think it is, it's a really important part to acknowledge that sometimes we just ignore what's going on. Like, it's... I definitely did that. Like, and for, for those who've been keenly aware of what's been going on, I had took an extra two-week break. I, I try to take a two-week break in the middle of the year regularly just so I can catch myself back up halfway through the year. And it's usually about the same time I go to the US. The last two years I've done it. 
Um, but then I took an extra two week break at the end of October. Um, admittedly, personally, there was a lot going on. Um, there's a lot that I just won't talk about publicly for the safety of my job at this point in time. Um, but you know, at the same time, there was a lot that like I was ignoring. I was ignoring the fact that, you know, what I was doing because the, the, the approach to those two weeks in October, at one point. Within a month, I'd been back to Queensland three ta- three weekends out of the month. Um, so two weekends in a row and then a single weekend. Uh, and that happened to happen right around AFL Grand Final. Um, and it was like travelling is hell on wheels just on a good day. And it was terrible. Uh, so I saw my family three times in one month. And then I had to come back and I wasn't enjoying work at that point in time. I really... Then also was going, I was not sleeping well. It was that daylight saving shift in as well. And I'm not used to like having to shift my body into daylight savings mode. Mm. And it just like threw me around enough that the delicate balance I had was like, oh, no, nothing's working now. Yeah. And how did you, how did you find that you, or what steps did you take? Do you think to try and manage it? Look, it's, a work in progress as we speak. Um, mm. You know, as I as I joked before, I may have had a small mental breakdown at lunchtime today. Um, mm. But you know, it's one of those weird things where it's just like I'm at a crossroads. I think at the moment, I've got to make some tough decisions towards the end of the year on what I want to do and where I want to go. Mm. And to be honest, I don't want to make those decisions. I kind of want to go. Someone else make the decision for me. Tell me where I need to be. Yeah, because this. Adult stuff is not working. Like, I just don't want to, you know, I don't want to have to make a decision for myself again. Uh, And my housemate must be doing the same because we keep turning around and going, oh, what do you want to eat for dinner? Um, And I go, well, it's up to you. And she goes, oh, it's up to you. Like, stop asking each other what, you know, who wants wants what for dinner because both neither of us want to make a decision. And it's like, you can tell that, like, we're we're tired because it's just those stupid conversations you end up having. You go oh, shit, no one wants to have exert any more executive energy right now. Yeah, I find that a lot. It, when I'm in those situations where I feel like I'm about to to burst in terms of my capacity to to stretch, like, yeah, f- there's physiological responses to it as well. And it feels like I'm operating on, like, it, it feels like my brain is so foggy and I'm genuinely not, well, and, and, and like I said, you can ignore it for as long as possible, but eventually mm-hmm. it's just going to catch you. And then, yeah, I've had a few, you know, points where I just like, I just realized that I, I feel so heavy and I feel so weighted by everything I've got to do. And I just realize I can't, I can't do it. And, that, and I think realizing as well in this, um, particularly in like a gig economy, which a lot of us, a lot of creatives are in, realizing Mm. that you can't do everything you want to do. Like there's so many ideas I get for stuff that I'd love to do. And I'm like, okay, I, I just, I can't do it. And I try to set time around to be like, maybe I'll make some headway on this project idea I had or this thing I wanted to do, blah, blah, blah. But it just, just getting the, the the 
the minimum in inverted commas, just getting mm. like the basic things. Like for example, for my podcast, there's all these ideas I have, but like sometimes it's just like, okay, what's the, what's the bare necessity to get out this week is just make an episode of my pod. Right. Yeah. If you can't do anything else this week, that's fine. At least you got, you got, you got something out there. Maybe it's not the best podcast you've ever recorded, but like, okay, you got something out there. Um, all these other ideas kind of have to wait. And that's because, because if, if I want to really put the time and effort that these other ideas deserve, mm. then I have to stop the, you know, then I have to like put the other thing on ice for a bit. And yeah, I think that's... Do you, do you ever feel guilty for not chasing those ideas you've had? I don't know if I feel guilty if it's a personal project. Um the f- the emotion I definitely notice with those is just just like disappointment and just sadness. Not in myself, but just like, oh like, damn, like I really wanna do that, but I just can't right now. I don't have enough time. Um so it's more just disappointment and sadness that I don't get to work on something that I would really like to work on. And it and it might not even um it might not even blow up or achieve anything, right? It's just like some side thing. I'll give you an example of something, but it's kind of, I think it's kind of lame, but I, I want to do it anyway. Yeah. I, I want to, just for my own fun and amusement, I want to um, record an EP of acoustic Blink-182 covers because I love yeah. the band Blink-182. Just me and my guitar, right? I just don't have time. Like I play them on guitar, but I don't have time to actually record them. Like, Mm. you know, record parts and stuff. And then I'm like, well, I guess that project just, you know, just doesn't really progress any further than being a project in my mind. Guilt. I feel more if I'm running out of time to do work on someone else's thing that is Mm -hmm. like, that's like paid work. And that I always put that before my own stuff. If it's, paid work because I obviously have to earn money to live. So yes. Yeah. Please pay, please pay my bills, please. Yeah, exactly. Um, um, No, it's funny because like, obviously I've got a night. I'm very, journalism is weird. You either have these very incredibly cushy jobs, nine to five, Monday to Friday. You're not supposed to work any time outside of that. Or you're on like some random shift. You're working like 3am through to 8am writing your scripts for, you know, the breakfast news show or something silly. Mm. Um, And I'm in the cushy stage where, you know, I'm being paid well enough to be able to live Mm. fairly comfortably. Um, in a rural country country town with plenty of events. Um, the paper is very, it's sold quite well and I only have to work nine to five. So mm. theoretically, like, I could do whatever the fuck I want outside of, you know, on the five to nine on the, you know, outside of, you know, work hours. Yeah. But I sit there and I, like, and I have been able to, like, there'd be things, if anyone follows the podcast on social media would have noticed there's more posts, there's more tags. I've had a bit more of a conscious effort to, you know, have a better social media strategy, especially in the second half of this year, to try to see whether that's going to, you know, improve results and bits and pieces. And I've just joined, yeah, and it happened while I was on my two-week break, but I caved and I joined Threads, which has been uh, an yes. interesting experience. Yeah, um, I joined it, but I, I stopped using it very quickly because I couldn't be bothered. It's so different to Twitter, and right. I don't like the fact that you can't schedule yet. And obviously, right. that's something, hopefully, it gets rolled into the meta business suite or something so you can schedule stuff. Yeah. But 
are you just sit there and like, and that's the thing is like, oh, I just kind of want to invest in my social media presence a little bit more. So like, I've got a stronger foothold when it comes to, you know, showcasing myself to prospective guests mm. and you, and it's a great thing. But like, every time I miss something in my head, I know I should be doing like, you know, oh, wait, have I posted the meme for the week? Oh, shit. No, mm. I don't. Do I actually have any ideas? No, I'm drawing a blank. I've got work in five minutes. I should go to work. And it's like, oh, gosh, you know, another week where I've I've missed missed the mark again. And, you know, how shitty of me to kind of... And it feels like it's more of a disservice on me and my goals and aims than, you know, the podcast or, you know, itself. And it, I do feel that, like... I know I can't feel guilt because I obviously am alive and I have the privilege of making a podcast whenever the fuck I want. But mm. um, <laughs> I, I think, part, it's, I, I think yeah. it's like I'm kind of just doing some thinking while you're speaking and I'm like, what is the – like maybe even what I was saying before as well, you just sort of rang that to me when you said that um, you, know, you, you beat yourself up for what you didn't do. But I wonder if for people like us – we need to like reframe it from what didn't I get done to what did I get done, right? Because maybe like, you know, as I was saying, like even just getting this episode out, this one we're doing right now is an achievement Mm. for your pod, right? And me doing, just doing an episode, like the episode of my pod I recorded this week for 20th Century Boy I actually didn't think was that strong. I didn't think any of my points that I was talking about were funny or like super interesting. And it was a shorter episode than normal, which to me says that I didn't have as much to say as I normally would. Right. And I was like, Oh, well that's what I'm putting out. Like I'm not going to re-record it. I'm just getting something out. And I think it's like just celebrating those little things you get done that maybe you don't think of as like, hey, I actually am doing stuff. Like, that is doing stuff. And sometimes I just keep a list next to my computer where I just write down the stuff that I did that day Mm work-wise so I can just look at it and be like, okay, that's actually, like, a lot of stuff that I did. Like, it's so if at the end of the day you feel like, oh, I just didn't really accomplish that much. It's like, no, I actually did. And, you know, people like us, we're not – we don't have enough money that we can – pay someone to work around the clock and post memes for us, right? Yeah. So I think, like, there are... And there are people who have money to employ, like, a social media strategist, right? So I don't think we can beat ourselves up for trying to do, like, 10 things at once. And that was another point I was thinking when we were talking about the Spotify podcast is, is like, as much... This isn't, like, a, a... a diss at Spotify or any podcast production company, but I don't need a Spotify. I'm a fully self-sustaining podcaster. I can record. I've got my own studio in inverted commas. Like I've got a room with microphones in it. I've got (laughs) a camera. I can edit video. I can edit audio. I can produce sweeps and stings and intros and outros. I can do all that myself. I can upload it and distribute it myself to all my channels, like the only thing I I would benefit from and probably the same as you because you're all self-sustaining as well is like I think something like Spotify could could help with my publicity and marketing and like PR and people more yeah. people seeing my pod and knowing about it. But 
as far as production goes, I'm mm. self-sustaining. And, and that's yeah. the thing. It's like part of me always goes, oh, you know, someone else can, you know, someone else. I wish someone else could just edit my podcast. But then you sit there and you go, actually, I would hate it if someone else touched my podcast. You reckon? Um, it's like, Is that like a control freak kind of thing or like an anxiety thing? I think it's a control thing, but it's also like a creative direction thing. It's like, I know what my intentions were and mentally in my head, I'm already planning like what I need to cut out. Like, and there are some episodes where I don't need to make any cuts and all I need to do is sit there and listen to make sure someone's audio didn't like go off the deep end or, you know, everyone sound all of a sudden sounds out of sync. Yeah. Um, and obviously put, you know, and I, I produce all of my stings at the start of the year. So, you know, that's what, that's what the, you know, first two weeks of February are for me. It's, you know, produce the stings, produce the trailer, um, record first three episodes and get that all stored before I start my year back up on, you know, around the 14th of February. And it's like, you know, that's, that's my job that those two weeks and it works. The system worked quite well this year and I will repeat it again. Um, yes. Uh, and so it's like, you know, I, and for me, it's like, I know exactly what needs to be done. And obviously I try not to touch the conversations too much unless, I don't know, I talk for an hour straight or something stupid um, or my Wi-Fi decides to disconnect itself, which it has done many occasions. Mm. Um, sorry for everyone who's had to deal with that. But, you know, <laughs> sitting there going, you know, I know exactly where I need to edit, what I need to do. And I'm guessing that's what a producer would do in, in a traditional company. But you're yeah. sitting there going, I know what I want to sound like. I've done my research on the my guest. I know what my guest probably wants to sound like. I'm trying to be as faithful as I can to that. Um, whereas if I gave it, you know, if I gave the recordings to Spotify, who knows what the fuck they would do with it. Yeah. I, I completely agree with that. Like I'm scared to kind of, I guess, relinquish control of, of at least the edit of the pod. Like, mm. because yeah, I know, I know while I'm doing it, Oh, I said something stupid there. I need to chop that. Or like, I'm not going to use that or like this needs to change. Right. I know all that stuff and communicating that to, to someone else and trusting them to do it like that's a really big step with me i think i'm mm. really protective of my stuff which but i think like i mean i i wouldn't be like close to to it but i completely agree with your kind of hesitancy um to do it i think if i if i was to ever have someone edit for me and i'm never gonna say hi someone because i don't think i would ever have the money for it <laughs> but like if i was ever to get someone to edit a podcast for me it would be you know someone who had been listening who probably sit on it sit in on a couple of recordings probably had guessed it on the podcast before mm. um and really understood what the podcast is about but also like where my values sit because mm. And I think this is the scary part. And like, obviously like anyone who owns any media organization feels this way as well. It's not the organization's, it is partially the organization's voice. It is partially like the brand's voice, but it's also my personal voice. It's my like physical voice. I'm not changing yeah. the way my voice sounds. Uh, and you know, I am authentically Samuel O'Brien and you know, I'm represented here. I'm represented on my bylines, you know, in a newspaper and I'm mm. represented you know, in the internet as I portray myself and I've got to control my brand. I don't have a manager. I don't have someone who books my interviews. It's mm, me. Yeah. Um, and so everything I do is a reflection on me. 
Um, and so someone who understands that I care deeply about this topic, so we're going to focus on it, is really important. That's such an interest. Like, I've never really thought about it, but yeah. Well, I, I have thought about it. Like, the stuff that I put out is my voice to the people. Because I guess, I don't know about you, but like, I never actually... Let me rephrase this. When I do my pod, particularly 20th Century Boy, when I actually record it, I picture me saying what I'm saying to like a group of friends. Like this is and, – and the the sort of tag of my podcast has become the conversations you wish you were having about the stuff that no one else cares about, right? That's my tag. Yeah. And the idea is like I – if I had a group of friends who gave a shit about the same shit that I care about, this is what I would be saying to them, right? And then I guess in my mind, I'm picturing the listeners, but I never actually think about the people who will, I, I never think about how the people listening take it. Like I never actually imagine mm. being a listener listening to the show. And I'm, I think maybe because I'm so in that space of like, I'm saying it, to the people or whatever. Like, yeah. do, do you, do you feel that at all? I definitely, I think I know, I think I have an inkling of where you're coming from as well. I think we've got to remember as well, you come from a radio background, um, mm. if I'm hundred uh, percent understanding of what's no. going on. <laughs> and so I think part of that. You're not, you're wrong. No, I, I do. I do. <laughs> yeah. So like the radio background, I think is, is a very interesting one as compared to a journalism background as well. Mm. Like, for me, from day one of my degree, it was be careful about your brand, be careful about where your byline is, you know, make sure you're putting out the best work. It's really high stakes, you know, everyone's mm. really, really serious about this. Radio, you've got that room to kind of play with. And a lot of the time you're sitting in, you feel like you're sitting in on a conversation. Yeah. You know, you're sitting there going, oh, you know, for ex perfect example is someone like Hamish and Andy or even, you know, Michelle and Zara. And you sit mm. there and you go... You're sitting at, you're the third person to a conversation. Um, and of course, I think that that's where your podcast has its success is that, you know, I, and for me, I, it tickles that itch for me personally. Um, but I hope that it's like, for me, it's like, this is the, the adult conversations that people, you know, let's get down to brass tacks and let's have an adult conversation about, you know, what's going on, you know, or how we're feeling and life and stuff. Uh, and because I, you know, live in a country town with very few people between the ages of 21 and 28, mm. um, you know, you don't get to have that conversation about, or oh, how are you going really? Or, you know, what's your life like now? Or how did you get to your job? Uh, you know, and, and or what are you wanting to pursue beyond, you know, your career? And so you don't get to have those conversations with people all the time. And so selfishly for me, I get to have these conversations once a week, but- on the other hand, I'm hoping that, like, people go, oh, so this is, like, a really cool insight, you know, because I accidentally stumble on these conversations all the time. I get to, you know, have a, a conversation with someone and go, oh, I found out a really interesting thing about you. And I mm. want people to know about that stuff, really interesting stuff, um, and, and have a, a peek behind the curtain of people's really interesting lives. And there's no way... And I think that's where I come from in my head is, like, this is a peek behind the curtain of someone's life uh, and you get a, a, a bit of a closer understanding of, you know, who they are and it's the talking to the cool people, you know, you wish you could meet at a dinner party. Yeah. I wonder, like, 
you know, what it is in people like us that makes us feel as though we need to, like, that makes us, like, so wanting to do that. And it's interesting you speak about, like, where you live being a factor that, like, you don't get to have those, like, real conversations and stuff. Like, because you were doing it in in Queensland. Like, do yeah. you think... Like, do you think that there's a shift in, I don't know, how you uh, how you feel it in that regard, like in, in terms of having those conversations? I think I was having more of those conversations, but, like, mm. at the same time, I, you know, it, it depends. Like, they had to be in the right mood. And I think this is where, like, a podcast like this, it really sets the right setting. It's like, they mm. were in the right mood, I'm in the right mood we're able to sit down and have this conversation. Yeah. Whereas, you know, who knew, who knows when I, you know, when I was living in Queensland, I was living with my brothers by chance, but it's like, who knows what mood my brother is going to be in to have a conversation. It's like, oh, I'm actually really keen for like a, a conversation about your life goals right now. Yeah. Um, and also like meeting new people. Um, I think post COVID people are struggling with like, how do I get around meeting new people mm. and, really engaging with new people when, you know, we kind of embrace those social circles we already had and had become a little bit more insular um, because of it. And I think that we've, it's going to have to be a serious conversation at some point where we realize we can't afford to be insular anymore. We've got to be open to new friendships and open to new social groups. And I'm seeing a little bit of it um, as, my uni friends start drifting apart and having lives and graduating and stuff. But like, I, it's going to be a, a fascinating thing. I think when, you know, people in, you know, obviously you get that natural drift apart, but the people realizing that, you know, you, the, the groups that they had through COVID probably don't represent who they are nowadays. Mm. It's funny. You mentioned like that natural drift apart of like old friends and stuff. Cause I feel like, for me, and like I think I'm like maybe, maybe like five or six years older than you. Yeah, I think about six years older. Six years older than you, yeah. So I've found um, like where I'm at, at like you know, a lot of my friends are 29, 30, and one of the things I've found that's really affected me in the last few years is like just those natural drift offs of a lot of friendships, a lot of old friendships, you know, like high school friends and maybe there's like Mm. um, tension there or maybe there's like complicated feelings there. But I guess those people are always your friends, but sometimes I see old friends and old groups all hanging out and sharing photos together and me being like, oh, I guess I would have been there in the past, but just because of where things have landed, I'm not there anymore. And, and, And I feel sad. Like I feel like I'm... I'm sad. I also get those jealous feelings again. And like dealing with that at this age has been one of the biggest challenges for me. Like it's really, it's been a real, um, yeah, just a real tough thing to deal with is seeing your friends kind of continue without you and realizing that I think a lot of life is, is accepting that things will be fine without you. And that's a really hard hmm. realization to make is that like people, people will continue without you. You're not like as big a deal as you feel you are. And that's tough, I think. Yeah. And like, I think personally for me as well, I was always, my parents hated me 
not that they didn't actually hate hate me. But they hated the fact that I wanted to listen to the adult conversations and I wanted oh, yeah. to listen to what the adults were talking about. And they would often be talking about their lives and their progression and how they were feeling, their careers, their families and bits and pieces. And mm. It was always a very naturally curious thing for me. And, mm. you know, my parents would get mad. It's like, stop eavesdropping, Sam. And, you know, <laughs> we go camping and I would be the one who'd be laid lay awake till midnight listening to my dad and his siblings discuss, you know, their lives around the campfire. Um, but then also, you know... Um, that like curiosity for human connection, you know, I didn't necessarily have a huge amount of friends in school and uni was COVID so that, you know, I really only had close friends right at the very end of it all. And so being able to do this is like, you know, if someone wants to, you know, feel like they're a part of a, an interesting conversation that they would probably have with a really close friend that, you know, they might not be able to, well, here it is, you know, and I think that we forget how much of a service continue, continuing things like these are. Like, it's really important to, obviously you don't have to if you're not feeling it, but like really important to get, um, you know, understand that there's some people really like, and, and it's a really important part of people's lives to, you know, be sitting here and listening to a podcast where two people get to sit down and have a, a frank conversation. And that's the other thing I think to bring it back to podcasting as well is like it's it's funny how these conversations often only happen on podcasts. Like if it wasn't for this podcast, like you and me probably wouldn't be having this conversation right now, right? And it's funny that <laughs> for some reason, like, yeah, for some reason there's a market in podcasts for like conversations like this when really – I guess in an ideal world, and this is no disrespect to your podcast, but I guess in an ideal world, we don't even need podcasts like this because everyone's fine with having these conversations just in a natural setting. But like, yeah, like I never would have been having this conversation today if you didn't ask me to do this podcast. And I think that's just an interesting curiosity about us humans is like we're willing to be open and willing to like have like a conversation like this on record but like would we have had it in real life i don't know and that's yeah that's it it's it's i think it's a good thing about podcasting that it facilitates that kind of thing though and it's also allowing you to passively listen to um a conversation without having to be someone who's contributing to it as well that's true actually yeah, I find it incredibly socially exhausting to be, you know, after I record, I can't record more than two podcasts a day because I just can't sit here and be actively listening and interacting in a, a well thought out conversation that is coherent mm. where, you know, without losing all of my social and then physical energy to be able to do anything else. Like, 100%. And it's always a, yeah, it's always a gamble as well. Like, for me, I'm going out for dinner tonight. Like, I've got to, um, you know, I've got to go and have a conversation with a bunch of other adults. Yeah. And I'm sitting here going, you know, this is I'm already <laughs> this is the socially exerted. Yeah, I, I I get that too. Like, I, I, even podcasting for me, even though I love it, like it, yeah, it's socially draining because you are you're speaking and you're you're having a conversation, whether you're doing a solo pod or a interview pod or a pod mm. with a guest or whatever, like. Yeah, it's socially draining in a way because you're using up, like, conversation you would otherwise be having with other people. And sometimes I find myself, when I'm in real life, 
well, I guess that makes no sense because I'm always in real life, but you know what I mean. Off podcast, off air, I'm mm. almost like recycling uh, conver- recycling things I've already said on the podcast because there's only just a finite amount of things going on in your life. So eventually you're going to double up. Yeah. That's that's where I start forgetting who I've told what. <laughs> yeah. It's like, did you know that this was happening in my life? Or did you read this article? Um, and it's like, yeah, you told me that yesterday. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah I did tell you. My poor housemate cops the brunt of it. She and I will send each other articles back and forth and then accidentally I'll send her. Or that awkward moment where you accidentally, s- you and your friend accidentally send the exact same TikTok back and forth to each other, um, which is just hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not socially awkward whatsoever. <laughs> oh, wow. We had the, you know, the exact same for you feed. Um, hey, do you ever come up to or come down to Melbourne at all? I do fairly regularly. Um, yeah. It's only two and a half hours away, which is lovely. Mm. Um, but yeah, no, it's um, <laughs> the last time I drove to Melbourne, uh, flying home, I flew, flew back back to Melbourne and was driving up and it was about midnight. I was about 10 minutes out from home and I hit a kangaroo. Are you serious? Uh, oh, yeah. It's like because it's... And it's wow, this is the, the regularly scheduled Australian wildlife segment of the Content Capable podcast. Kangaroo breathing season's happening. And so they're, and kangaroos are the dumbest animals when it comes to mm. being on the road. Because they just like... They just they hop across bounce. the road. Well, they oh, don't they- just cross the road. Sometimes they're just like bouncing along the road and he's like, are you, are you merging? Like put an indicator yeah. on or something. Well, I guess, they, I guess they don't know it's a road because they yeah. don't have roads. <laughs> But yeah, I came over this crest of this hill and there's two kangaroos and I braked and I like slowed down. So I haven't like mechanically damaged my car whatsoever. It's just one of the lights is smashed up and stuff. But like- Because it's like the know, saying in the, um, the saying deer in the headlights. Yeah. In, in Australia, it's literally like kangaroo in the headlights. Like kangaroo roadkill is so common. Oh, and it's rampant at this time of year. And like, yeah. it's terrible to watch. And like, part of me is- like, and it's the same with wombats as well. Like, um, you know, when they get out and cause it must be a significant wombat area here. Cause when I go like hiking and stuff, I see a lot of wombat holes hanging around, mm. but like, you know, you see them on the side of the road and it's just like, it's terrible. My housemate had a galah, um, like fly out in front of her and she almost hit it with her car. It's like, what are the animals doing? Trying to kill themselves? It does certainly seem like that sometimes, <laughs> Partic- yeah. particularly with, with kangaroos. Yeah, but I'm, uh, no, yeah, I'm absolutely reveling in our $10 capped public transport. It used to cost us $60 to catch the bus down to Melbourne. Um, so thank you, the Victorian government, for lowering so is those it, prices. So is it $10 return into Melbourne now? If you do it on the same day, yeah. Oh, that's fantastic, um, yeah. That's it's really lovely. Good. For like six hours on a bus? Yes, please. Mm, yeah, uh, $10, <laughs> not bad. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, no, uh, well... Uh, thank you so much, Mike, for coming on the podcast and having a chat. It's been really lovely. Well, that like felt like it just flew by as well, which I oh, guess we- is the beauty of those conversations. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah, I looked at my watch and I was like, oh, fuck. I know. Um, I was looking at the time. I'm like, oh, it's been an hour yeah. since we started. But that's awesome, um, man. Like, it's been really I- fun. Yeah. Has there been anything that you've been reading or listening to that you wanted to plug? Oh, I would love to plug... Um, the new Blink-182 album, One More Time. Um, <laughs> now, 
if you I, I feel like people your age didn't really grow up with Blink. So I guess maybe you guys I, I assume a lot of your listeners are maybe like around your age, right? I guess yeah. maybe you don't know the story of Blink one eighty two or why they're such a significant band to um millennials like me. Uh, well, but I definitely think we. I listen to a lot of their music because my parents listen to a lot of their music. Oh, but wow. I have no Do idea not, that why. That makes me feel really old. That makes me feel so old. Okay, that my parents, parents are really young. <laughs> How old parents are your parents? Are, they're like in their early forties. Okay, um, yeah. Okay, that's fair. Yeah. yeah. Um, but honestly, because I love Blink One Eighty Two so much, I, I'm recommending their new album one more time. And mm. if you want a really fun summer album. Enema of the State, their album from 1999. I've just been spinning a lot of Blink-182, so I'm spreading it to you guys. Go and listen to it. You will love it. Awesome. And where can people find you on the internet? Uh, At radio.mike on Instagram, radiomike.com.au. Like, all my links are there. Radio Mike on YouTube to see a bunch of my content. Radio Mike on TikTok. Radio Mike everywhere. Just, you'll find me. You find me. (laughs) I don't have to tell you. It's like Christina. She just doesn't plug her socials anymore. She's like, you know where to find me. Yeah, I'm you'll like, find yeah. me somewhere. Just and Google me. And then I got to tag her in an Instagram post. And I'm like, I forget the handle now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, my handles aren't even consistent across all platforms. So It's annoying it's, when it's so like annoying. someone takes like a one handle from one platform. You're like, yes. can you just give it back, please? Well, my Twitter is It's Radio Mike because some mm. random guy has Radio Mike. So, yeah. Anyway, it is yeah, what it is. No. Yeah, you can find um, you can find me at sam.journalist on Instagram uh, and on TikTok. Um, I'm going to plug this week, and it's a depressing read. And uh, please go and check the trigger warnings for this book before you read it. It's called Educated by Tara Westover. It's talking about um, this girl um, who grew up in like a doomsday like cult family, but it wasn't necessarily a cult. It was just more like they were like massive preppers, which um, reminded me very much of um, parts of my family. And it was fascinating to like, see how similar the thought process was between them two. Is Um, this a memoir or is it a It is a memoir. Oh, it's a true story. Oh, okay. Wow. Um, It sounds interesting. Yeah. It didn't quite have the satisfying ending. I was hoping for it to have. Yeah, but um, it is fascinating to watch that. Like, as you obviously gain prominence in a community and are doing something really well, and you start to get opportunities outside of your community and your worldview broadens, how you change as a person. Mm. It's very interesting. I thought it's very fascinating, and obviously, as someone who like has gone through uni and has just moved, and are watching my worldview shift, it's fascinating to see. You know, obviously, like the the parallels you kind of draw, but then obvious, of course, like the the like chokehold that your family, especially when you grow up, you know, <laughs> hashtag Catholic guilt. This sounds up right like up my alley. Someone raised Catholic. <laughs> yeah, and you just like you go, you know, that chokehold your family has on you every time something bad happens, the guilt you feel if you're unable to like you know drop everything and be there for them. Yeah. Oh, interesting, man. I'm gonna pick it up. It looks good. Yeah. Um. Awesome. Well, uh, thank you so much, Mike, for coming on the podcast. And um, oh, man. we definitely we should- have to catch up next year. <laughs> 
Content and Capable was recorded, edited, and produced by Samuel O'Brien. You can follow the podcast at Content, the letter N, Capable on Instagram, and you can find it on Facebook. You can also send an email through to contentandcapablepod at gmail.com with any of your thoughts, queries, or concerns. The best way to support the podcast is to leave a review on your preferred podcatcher so more people can hear the podcast. The art was done by Opia, and the music was written, edited, and produced by Jason Hilton. Content and Capable is proud to be a part of the Deus Ex Media Network, where you can find a podcast for any of your nerdy interests. Hey folks, Alex and I have been traveling, so there's no new episode today, but don't worry. There'll be one on Friday, I promise. I will make that happen for you. Our schedule's been pretty crazy. And we haven't really had time to sit down to record The Great Divide, but I prepared this little trailer for you guys, and I hope you all like it. So, enjoy! Coffee. Tea. Honor. Cabbage. Long ago, the four elements lived in harmony. Then, shit went totally cray when the Avatar attacked. Only the Cabbage Man merchant of fine cruciferous vegetables could stand against his trolling, but when the world needed some dank veg, he vanished. Ten years have passed, and my partner and I have started a new podcast. My Cabbages! An Avatar podcast. A weekly show about Avatar The Last Airbender. Whether it's Sokka's new line of cologne. Hey, look at you, sitting there on a seal. Well, now look back at me. I'm on on an even bigger seal. Now look away. D&D related antics. You have to make an acrobatics check for that. And Aang just like unzips his pants and whips out his D20s. He's just like, I got this. A randomly breaking into song. <laughs> we'll stumble our way through the greatest show ever made, one episode at a time. You can reach us at CabbageCast, which is our Twitter, or subscribe wherever you catch pod. Rotten cabbages? What kind of slum do you think this is? Thank you for listening to Content and Capable. Don't forget to rate and review, and we'll see you next week for another episode. Dave X Media.